Jesus is alive and well. Jesus is alive and well. Right now he sits on the throne and he can see what's going on. Oh, Jesus is alive and well. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and pleading for you, 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 you and I. Tell it for me, everybody you see that Jesus is alive and well. First verse, yes, Jesus died. On a place called Calvary, you he stayed in the grave and he stayed so three long days. But he rose, he rose with a victory. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jesus lives again, all power in his hands. Won't you tell it for me? And everybody you see that Jesus is alive and with him. Didn't that bless you? You want to be a quartet singer so badly. Listen, come down and shake my hand. Cut the cameras. <laughs>
I thought Mary J. I thought Mary J. Blige was gonna be on that fugazi. Fam, Mary J. Blige, she a crime boss, and I got time. Well, whenever you mention Mary's name, the first thing that I hear, what's the sound of the spicy chicken wrap? Burger King? Crispy chicken, lettuce, shredded cheeses, rolled up in a flour tortilla. Mary! Are you okay? What is your name, clown? I am McBride, and you are? I am Martin, and we are back in the dancery. This week has been... hell on wheels y'all have drawn this monica and brandy thing out and drove it into the ground i'm so glad it's over i'm i'm glad it's over but before we move can can i just lift this up what i just choose to believe that monica makes music for those of us who prescribe to brown liquor and we don't mind busting you in your back with a brick However, um, I think that Brandy makes music for those um, who are high off of opiates. And um, they are white-collared scammers. Um, I was very underwhelmed. Brandy's attire. um, I was very underwhelmed by the braggadocious nature of them both, but it was absolutely amazing. The nostalgia that was there, the music literally took me on a real journey. Not that B7 stuff. First um, of all, first of all, you ain't gonna talk about Brandy. Did, did you get riled like, up? You're not gonna talk about Brandy on this podcast like Monica wasn't sitting in that chair looking like Lieutenant Dan's sister. No, she was looking like the prince off of uh, Lord off Fuck. of up. Mm. Yes, I said, my, "What this tam?" My grandma called them little hats tams. <laughs> Monica was sitting up there with that leather tam on her head. I said, "Monica, Monica makes music for people whose grandparents had full custody of them." Well, what you're not gonna do? You felt the way. You felt the way. Not that she had full custody over me. I just spent a lot of time with the woman guy. <laughs> it's okay. Jesus. It's all right. I'm glad it's over. Uh, it was good for the culture, though. It really was. But y'all do the most. And because I am the person that I am, I will say that we have to, we have to give Monica her nines and her tens. You because Monica... It was proven that Monica is absolutely more commercially successful and appealing than Brandy was. The fact, by virtue of the fact that all, nearly all of her singles have re-entered the Billboard charts for streaming. Monica? Yes. Wow. I really think it was a matter of a reintroduction because a lot of people I literally sat there watching that like man like Monica got bops so I am going to tell you this and we we can move on into the episode uh when Monica started talking through she wrote um what song was that she said she wrote at the age of 12 um Miss Thing 
maybe I don't know whatever it was that whole song was a bop Sharday, I literally felt the way I said what the hell what oh, you were doing? talking about is um, don't take it personal don't take it you wrote don't take it personal at the age of 12 Monica I was just trying to make sure I didn't have doo-doo stains in my drawers at age 12 and that I'm still staying on A&B on roll we are not the same person like I was still trying to figure out a B flat and an E flat on my trombone at the age of 12 you're dropping hits what we really need to discuss is the fact that Erica Badu (laughs) (laughs) shut up (laughs) Erica Badu what she do now Erica Badu is really the unsung hero <laughs> of the versus battle. The way she was in them comments, lighting up everything. <laughs> when Monica was talking about her writing, um, don't take it personal at 12, she talking about, I wrote on and on at 12 too. Nigga, <laughs> no you didn't. <laughs> Erica. I need to send her a trolling this love language t-shirt. It's about Erica. Uh, yes. Please that do. Thing, that thing blessed me. What is happening in the world? You know what? The blocks, it, they they stay hot. So first of all, first things first, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. And that's on period. I don't know if I can say period, but I'm secure. So there's that. Um, it has literally been 178 days since the Louisville Police Department executed a no-knock warrant and fatally shot Breonna Taylor. It's been Jam- how many days? 178. I wish I could say it in Spanish, but I think I swallowed my tongue. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, I was going to try, but never mind. Uh, Jamarcus Glover, Brianna's ex-boyfriend, was offered a plea deal if he would claim that she was a part of a quote-unquote organized crime syndication. He turned down the plea deal that would implicate Brianna Taylor in his alleged crimes. Glover, who is currently focused, who is currently the focus of the no-knock raid which took Brianna's life, pled not guilty to drug charges last Friday. Court records indicate that prosecutors were willing to give him a plea deal if he were going to implicate Brianna in his alleged crimes, WDRB reported last Sunday. An attorney representing Taylor's family in a wrongful death lawsuit blasted the officials for um, the links to which those within the police department and Commonwealth's attorney went to after Brianna's killing to try and paint a picture of her, which was vastly different than the woman she truly was. Sam Argur said, the fact that they would even try to represent her um, as a co-defendant in a criminal case more than a month after she died is absolutely disgusting. So I think that's the other part that's been hidden from media because I, I wasn't even aware of this. It seems like everything kind of got swallowed up with the, the protests and the Black Lives Matter and you know all that good stuff. And there were so many deaths that were on the hands of Rihanna being lynched that this kind of like fell through the, the cracks. But yeah, this is nuts. So continuing with the story, uh, 
Glover, Brianna's boyfriend, he told the Louisville Courier Journal last week um, that the police were attempting to shift the narrative around her death. She died on March 13th after a botched raid in her home in which officers shot her eight times. Glover believes that law enforcement is now blaming him for their actions. Sergeant Jonathan Matley, Detective Miles Crossgrove, and former detective Brent Hackinson were the officers involved in the shooting. Hackinson has since been fired from the Louisville Police Department, the Griot reported in June. The police are trying to make it out to be my fault and turn the whole community out here, making it look like we brought this to Brianna's door, Glover said. There was nothing never there and anything even ever there. Um, and at the end of the day, they went about it in the wrong way and lied on their search warrant and shot that girl out there. As previously reported by the Griot, Glover denied any wrongdoing when he used her address to receive packages. Glover goes on to say, nothing ever been wrong or ever been illegal there. He told the Courier Journal, getting shoes and clothes coming through the mail is not illegal, nothing illegal at all. Glover said that his his child's mother on record uh, jail cell calls where he basically said, Taylor was holding money for him and the money was going to cover phone bills that um, he believes she became implicated in his alleged crimes because she bailed him out of jail. I don't understand how they're going to serve a warrant for Bree's house, bro, Glover said to a man on another call from the jail. How is it that they served a warrant for Bree's house and nothing tied me to Bree's house at all besides these bonds? So now that brings a whole nother question on the table. Brianna was never implicated prior to him being arrested or being charged with anything happening with his drugs. But when she just so happened to go and bail him out, now she's implicated, tied to what it is that he's doing, and she ends up dying in the crossfire. So it definitely seems like some of this mill came right. Um, he added that the police had no reason to search her home, quote unquote. At the end of the day, I know she didn't. I know she didn't deserve none of this stuff, though, he said. The police also believed incorrectly that Taylor was alone at home and unarmed while conducting surveillance on her home the night of the raid, according to the case reports. Commonwealth attorney Tom Wine did not report, did not respond to requests to comments to WDRB, but some believe that Glover was offered the plea deal in order for the police to invade accountability of her death because she is destroying them and they want Jamarcus to do it for them because their efforts have failed. So they offered him a bribe, basically. All you have to do is smear her, Louisville defense attorney Ted Trouse said. This seems like systemic oppression. This seems like so many levels of injustice. Um, I wonder, would this even be a case if she was white? Because it, it, it feels as if, and, and we've seen it time and time again, let's strip the victim of their humanity, turn them animal to justify them being killed. Whether or not if she was helping Glover sell drugs or not, you still murdered this girl innocently. She was unarmed, it was at night, you woke her up out of her sleep. You still botched 
this warrant. You weren't even looking for her. You were looking for him. I think it bears mentioning that it's also on record in Louisville that the same unit, the same officers involved, mm-hmm. had another no-knock warrant. Oh, where they really? went to the wrong house. That's the same three. On, yet it's literally on public record. So let's start. Sorry, there. I didn't know that. Wow. We can start. So there. why why were they still doing warrants then? If if you have a history of botching up warrants and knocking down the wrong doors, why is it that you're still serving warrants and still being a part of search team, kicking down doors and slapping people's cheeks? Help me to understand. I see what you Shout did. Shout out to Monica. I see what you did there. The same reason why that police officer in New York that uh-huh. you remember that mm-hmm. police officer we were mm-hmm. talking about in New mm-hmm. York I think he was in the Bronx and he was literally on file as using excessive force yep. and the NYPD had been paying out um, lawsuits, lawsuits. Yep. because people have been suing the brakes off of the NYPD yep. Um, yep. because of him and it just so happened that, that the, the last it was it just so mm-hmm. happened that the last time that he used excessive force that he was caught on video and it was all over social media so there are a myriad of conversations that need to be had. Another conversation that needs to be had with this Brianna Taylor piece is the fact that she is now being adopted or acclimated into American culture. She was featured on the cover of Vanity Fair. She yeah. was featured on all of these billboards or whatever. So you mean to tell me that you would rather put her on the cover of a magazine than prosecute her killers? Make black that make- grief, black grief is monetizable. Okay. If we if we're going to go there, let's go. Black grief is monetizable. Think about it. Blues came out of the bellows of black grief. Black contemporary gospel, black gospel, period, came out of the bellows of black grief. Comedy, the way that we that the way that we know of it today, it came out of the bellows of black grief. Hip hop. Come on. It came out of the bellows of black grief. There's something about black folk and grief. And and when we permit ourselves to healthily grieve, we're able to creatively um, form something or produce something that the world wants to grapple with. But it's also something about when mainstream gets a hold of black grief and they plaster it everywhere. We saw it with Trayvon Martin. We saw it with Tamir Rice. We, they attempted to do it with Sandra Bland's people, but her mom and them was like, we not having it. We even see it now with uh, George Floyd. It's a difference between bringing uh, about a level of awareness and you're consistently um, putting those images in front of us over and over and over and over and over again. Um, it, it kind of, it, it's, it's a fine line. Yes, bring me into awareness, but at the same time, don't desensitize me and don't try to monetize my grieving. Do you know how many magazines of Vanity Fair was purchased simply because they put Brianna's likeness and image on that magazine? What happened with that money? Is any of that money being circulated back into Black communities? Does any of that money, is any of it allocated um, to Black females going 
going to EMT schools in Louisville. Um, You know, there's a number of things that could have been done. And it it wasn't just Vanity Fair. We're also guilty of it as well. Um, Her face was plastered on Ebony Magazine. Her face has been plastered on Essence. Um, So I thank you for bringing her image to the light. But how many black attorneys we have in the U.S.? And how many of them are willing to provide services pro bono to wear the governmental structure out in the state of Kentucky and to their justice? QTNA, fam. QTNA. Um, I hate it. Arrest, arrest these people, because at, at, this, at this point, and it honestly... This is what happens. Like these, these are the makings and the nuts and bolts of people having justice fatigue. Because yes. to your point, the root system of that is being able to see people plaster images all over everywhere. However, the reality remains that these people that are responsible for murdering her are still going unprosecuted. Yes. Not only that, even when you deal with Ahmaud Arbery and um, George Floyd, the fact that they are literally going about trying to have the charges dismissed from the people that murdered uh, these brothers. And you see that they cried about it. Absolutely. You see that they cried about it. It's not mainstream, but they will mainstream his murder. They'll mainstream how they hunt him down like an animal. And those will those are the literal words that media was using, headlines, track man tracked down like animal, man brutally hunted, right? And now they're trying to overturn the charges and it's quiet. And not only that, not not only publicize or bring awareness to the cases, but blow up and publicize the corruption that's happening in these police departments. And just yep. like that, it was blown up and those people down the DA and all of these people down yes. in um, Valdosta or wherever yes. that was down there with Ahmad Arbery, the same way that those people should have been prosecuted, they need to go down the list in Louisville, mm-hmm. Kentucky and prosecute mm-hmm. the hell out of all of those people. I said that, prosecute them. And and two, another thing, you know, a lot of those peace, peaceful protesters in Louisville have actually been met with violence. There are people that have been, you know, just going to the governor's lawn, and that's a public place. Governor's lawn and have been met with um, police literally. I mean, like, beating the brakes off them or even going down to the police station, which you have a right to do, and protesting. And they have literally been met with clubs, police, and full-out riding gear. And these people, they're not throwing anything. They're not riding. They're not looting. They're not doing any of that. They are literally peacefully gathering and are getting the brakes beaten off them, men and women. And, and to be honest, the truth of the matter is, even in this, I see more women active than men. I mean, well, but it has always been like that in the movement. So I mean, it's like that in church. Well, since we're here, literally. And then the crazy thing is, while there is so much of a feminine or a um, a, a feminine presence in church, 
we have people like John Gray. Ooh. Are we going there? Let's go. Let's go. I I think that we tapped the story a little bit earlier, but let's go. We have have people like a John Gray um, and various others who will make it their business to tell women how they should keep their man. Why do we spend so much effort and so much time trying to prepare women for marriage and we don't pour that same amount of energy to prepare men for the same thing so I don't I I think that it's a matter of community right because the levels of conversations that I've been having with these old heads in my circle I feel the pressure and the weight of it the conversations that my parents have been having with me. I feel the pressure and the weight of it. But to answer your question though, um, I think that it is rooted in, for individuals like John, it is rooted in their undealt with, unhealed, unmanaged wounds. So remember the first the first one that he did with um, Abington. He said, Abington had to raise me. Or and then he also some, talked about uh, women should be the coat or something to that degree for their man. Nigga, you, my woman ain't no coat. He needs some milk. She ain't no coat. God didn't create her to be no garment. And if I need a coat, I can go buy one. And it is not her job to cover what I need to submit to Holy Spirit and to a therapist. That is not her job. Matter of fact, it's unfair and it's abusive. I said that. And a lot of these people that are calling themselves, you know, um, husbands and spouses and, you know, I'm the man in her life and the king in her life. No, you are an emotional abuser. That's emotional abuse. That's not love. since, Since we're here. All right. That's not love. Uh, and that's what brings us back to the ending up in stories like this. Cause ooh, I believe this is McBride. Sharday didn't say. It. I believe the first go round, she should have left. But instead, toxic Christendom ooh. causes toxic Christendom ooh. causes the one that has been um done wrong victimized. to now dress victimized to stand up on a platform and demonize the one that was actually your way of escape she called the woman a demon and i'm open to critique i'm open to being saying matthew wrong think about it from a different perspective but that's just how i feel about it how is it that you're gonna stand up here on this platform and call this woman a demon and how you prayed her away and you use scripture to pray her away. That sounds real hoodoo-ish. Okay, so let's, 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 let's go into the 50 shades. Okay, let's go. In an emotional videotaped confession posted online uh, Sunday before last, relentless church pastor John Gray apologized and addressed rumors that spread through entertainment blogs earlier this 
month. Allegations of an extramarital relationship first spread on social media and entertainment news websites on August the 21st when a woman who claimed to have been communicating with Gray was featured on a live video stream on YouTube. Last week, Gray's attorneys told the Greenville News that Gray was a victim of extortion and blackmail, and they said that a physical affair was never alleged. On last Sunday, however, Gray told his congregation that he's undergoing extensive counseling and seeking guidance of other pastors for help. He's quoted as saying, there are people who may never listen to me preach again, and I'm so very sad about that. He goes on to say, I also believe that this moment will call more people to repentance unto salvation, in that my pain will have been worth it. While Gray did not say specifically or admit to or deny having been involved in an extramarital relationship, he said pastors are held to the highest of standards and need to maintain their character when no one is looking and have fidelity and faithfulness in marriage. He said not staying accountable caused him to make bad decisions. Grace said that he's not sure how long his therapy process will take, and he told his congregation that they may not see him for some weeks. He said that he is going deeper into the process so that he once and for all can receive the same freedom that he prays for everybody else for. Gray took the opportunity to apologize to his wife, Aventer, and then to the church. He's quoted as saying, Aventer, I'm sorry for the pain I've caused you, and my prayer is that the life I live from this moment will be one worthy of the love that you extended that our family receives from. I'm grateful for you and our children. He went on to say to my church, I'm sorry. You've gone through enough from cars to meetings with leaders that have caused great pain to deep division among political ideologies to one thing after the other. I want to tell you that I'm sorry. Gray is an associate pastor for Joel Osteen's Lakewood Church in Houston. He came to Greenville in 2018, I believe, when Pastor Ron Carpenter moved his Redemption Church ministry uh, to California. Gray formed Relentless Church church out of the former Redemption Church campus on Haywood Road, and he roughly has about a million followers on followers on Instagram. He's published two books and was formerly a reality television star on the old network show, The Book of John Gray. He was the subject of an earlier controversy in 2019 where he referred to, um, he referred to it as an emotional affair. A relentless uh, spokesperson did not uh, immediately respond to calls or emails requesting comments for the uh, Greenville news source. Um, Gray's attorney, Devin Purifoy, also did not immediately respond to the calls or messages seeking comment. Okay, can I jump in? Sure. Okay, so let's rewind. You said, um, John said, his not staying accountable caused him to make bad decisions. First of all, your accountability, uh, ability or inability to be accountable to any external factor does not 
um, hold the leash of your ability to make good decisions or bad decisions. That that's a that's an internal thing. That's a matter of your moral compass. That's one. Um, but I would like to bring to the table and to also question what type of accountability um, do you have that you have the permission to opt out of, right? Um, Sharday and I, we have been friends for years and there is a type of accountability that we have with each other that just on some things, neither one of us have the capacity, the ability or the permission or even the luxury to opt out of. It's impossible for me to call her my sister in the gospel, my sister in the spirit, my sister in life. And I permit her to opt out of levels of accountability that we have with each other. If there's ever a moment in our siblinghood where we permit each other, especially as it pertains to soul issues and soul problems that are manifesting in our intimate, romantic, holies of holies relationships, whenever we, we can opt out of our accountability to each other, then beloved, we don't need to be siblings no more. We need to opt out of siblinghood, right? Um, and I think I may have walked through it, if it wasn't on the last episode, it was definitely the episode before, where we talked about the holies of holies, the inner court and the outer court type relationships and how they can be interchangeable. The moment that I say that I opt out of accountability to Sharday and I prescribe her to be my holies of holies person and, and, and I am to her holies of holies person, in that moment, I've now given her permission to knock me down a couple of knocks because now it's, it's literally saying that you don't value the relationship you don't value wisdom, you're not integral, um, and you're okay with your more compass going awry. And if that's the life that you want to live, then it is your spiritual responsibility as a faith practitioner to say, I uh, remove my responsibility. Here's my resignation from this seat of being a faith practitioner. And when I say faith practitioner, that's those of us that preach the gospel, push the gospel, present the gospel in any shape, form, or fashion. The moment that you opt out of accountability it's also the moment that you need to give your resignation letter from being a faith practitioner. The reality from that statement about being mm -hmm. a faith practitioner, we need to change, we need a culture shift because we have perpetuated and created a culture in the realm, and I hate to use that word, but for lack of a better phrase, in the realm of preachers, prognosticators, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. carolers, or whatever, we've created and perpetuated a culture that is not integral. Integrity says, I am going to match my no with my do. And whatever, literally, yep. integrity is when your no and your do collides. And that's okay. K-N-O. O w no. yes your no mm -hmm. and your do it collides that's when it, that's what integrity is and the mm -hmm. reality is we have permitted for years people to live all kinds of lives to live all kinds of narratives and not have truth yeah. not live in levels of sobriety and levels yes. of integrity fam you should have somebody that has the ability to call you on your you. crap. Yep.
even to your point about um, the concept of friendship or the the the, uh, the friendship dynamics of the outer court, inner court, and the holies of holies. When you look at the dynamics um, of how the holy place, the most holy place, was um, built, we're told that there was no light. In the holy place, mm-hmm. the only thing that was present, one of the only things that was present in or was housed in the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. So the holy place, the most holy place is is that place, that relational space in your life that houses and gives place for your covenant relationships. So the only light that was present in that room was the light that emanated from the presence of the the presence of the Lord. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that means that the priest going in was literally standing in a dark room, your holy, most holy relationships, your covenant, the place of your covenant relationships should be shrouded with truth Mm -hmm. and trust. If you don't have truth, If you don't have truth and trust in the place of your covenant relationships, what are you you doing? What are you doing? You should literally, Roderick wouldn't be my brother if he didn't have the ability to speak truth to power in, in the capacity that he's in. Like, fam, if I'm out here, we say it all the time to one another. Like, fam, come get me. Don't have me out here. Come get me. Come get me and even in um pastor gray's apology video he talked about and he thanked the pastors that um had to distance themselves from him um and was saying you know like i didn't understand it or you know i wasn't feeling it but thank you and even that in it so many things it's so i don't like it it's so many things. I, I, I want to tag this too before we move on. Go ahead. Um, he said, Abington, I'm sorry for the pain I caused you in my prayer um, is that the life I live from this moment will be one worthy of the love that you extended to our family um, receives from or yeah, whatever. Um, he says, I'm grateful for you and our children. Why is it that you have to get to a painful place in order to express gratitude for what's being placed in your hand? There's nothing worse than buying someone a gift, especially a child, and they abuse this gift, they mishandle this gift, and the moment that they lose said gift, now they want to throw a temper tantrum, and it feels as if that there are cranes in the sky, and those cranes are falling. To me, any level of appreciation that comes by way of pain is disingenuous. I shouldn't have to go through a painful experience or encounter in order to find value in who you are. The fact that you be is more than enough for me. The fact that you be, the fact that you are, the fact that you exist, the fact that you are connected to me, that's all I need. Fam, you're up in arms about this relational dynamic. We do it every day with Christ. We don't have oh an appreciation of grace oh until we're in a pit. We don't have an appreciation of Calvary. Come on. Come on. Until we're out here 
and we need to be rescued. We need a sense of deliverance. We do it to grace and we do it to Calvary every single. Or we don't appreciate mercy and grace until we have to commemorate and memorialize Jesus's pain and suffering. That's when we cheapen grace. That's when we cheapen mercy. The only time that I pull on it is when I'm in a place of pain. Appreciate grace and mercy, even on a good day, because your Bible said that it's God's goodness and mercy that finally hunts me down all the days of my life. But it really highlights toxic faith in Christianity because we don't mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. approach we don't approach or appreciate Holy Spirit until we have need of Him. When I tell you, I mean, come on, Intercessors University. You say in your training that you believe that Holy Spirit is the um, one of the uh, most un- underemployed entities um, in the Godhead. Absolutely, come on. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, that that's your training. The last mm-hmm. that I checked. Oh, oh no, it is. Okay. Oh no, it is, and I absolutely agree. And I also believe too, and and this is even for a good check for me that even when we are having these types of conversations, for those of us that function and operate in the privilege of sobriety, be a be aware of how we move, be circumspect of how we move and how we function and how we operate, even in having these conversations, because this literally just came over me, the scripture that says, take heed unless you fall. Um, So yes, although we are critiquing this thing and we are having conversation, two, we are also walking circumspectly daily of Holy Spirit as well. So... Amen and I say to the ancestors. Thank God. Re- the reality is, mm. and we need an overhaul. We need an overhaul because we preach and we talk about transformation. And the reality is this. Transformation that is void of responsibility has no longevity. And isn't it really transformation? I say. Okay, moving on. Homeschool with the side of digital divide. First of all, okay. Mm -hmm. As millions of students are heading back to school virtually from the comfort of their own homes, two young girls in California relied on a Taco Bell's free Wi-Fi. Yes, you heard me right. Taco Bell's free Wi-Fi to access their coursework from the restaurant's parking lot, according to a county official. The reality was captured in a single photo that has made its rounds on social media, shining a light on the digital divide that has long existed in the United States. In the photo, two girls can be seen sitting on the sidewalk of a Taco Bell with computers with computers in their laps and pencils and paper on the pavement in front of them. Two Taco Bell employees can be seen in front of them, one crouching down to meet them at eye level. Approximately 15 to 16 million 
K through 12 public school students in the U.S. live in homes with an adequate internet connection or have devices that aren't equipped for distant learning. According to a study from Common Sense Media and the Boston Consulting Group published in June 2020, Monterey County Supervisor Louise Alheo tweeted the video on Wednesday after seeing it on Instagram saying, we must do better and solve this digital divide once and for all for all Californian students. He says, California is the technology capital of the world. This is absolutely embarrassing. Salinas Valley is 45 minutes from Silicon Valley. And here we have such a huge divide that has gone on for years, but now it's only amplified because of this pandemic. Luis said he does not know who the students are in the photo and that he couldn't confirm what led them to go to Taco Bell. But he said the photo speaks to the bigger picture of the reality many students and families are facing. We know that there are thousands of students in similar situations. In Salinas, there's a lot of homes and a lot of parents who don't even know how to use computers or how a hotspot works. The digital divide is very real and delays in receiving needed technology are statewide. Amy Ish, the president of Salinas City Elementary School District said in the statement. We are grateful the state is making technology a priority and looking forward to receiving these hotspots in our district. For privacy and security concerns, the district would not identify the students or their parents. The district gave the family a hotspot so that the students could access classroom instruction from their home, according to um, Amy Ish. Uh, the district is full of distant learning mode and they've distributed 8,245 Chromebooks, 1,500 hotspots, and are awaiting 2,500 additional hotspots. Technology is so crucial and we cannot view it as a luxury. It is a necessity of life and it should be seen as a utility like water, electricity, and gas, Luis said. In a statement, a spokesperson from Taco Bell Corporate told CNN, the photo of the two young girls outside of Salinas, California, Taco Bell is a tough reminder of the basic inequalities facing our community. We and our franchisees have always been passionate about supporting youth education and the owner of this restaurant is looking into additional ways to support these students in the broader community, Taco Bell said in an email statement. Though the digital divide is a problem throughout the entire country, in California, 25%, that equates to 1,529,000 of the state's K-12 student population don't have adequate connection, and 17%, which equates to 1,064,000 individuals, um, don't have the adequate devices for distant learning, according to research from the Common Sense Media and Boston Consulting Group. California is second to Texas in the states with the highest numbers of students without adequate access. Y'all, this is 2020. And literally, these babies had to sit at a restaurant in order to get their schoolwork done. Sam, you often talk about how an undergrad you had to go yep. and uh, use Wi-Fi from McDonald's. Yeah. And that was 2006, 2006, 2010. 
you know, and here we are, 2020, that's what, 10 years, 14 years later? And we still having this issue? And I was a college student. I didn't have to go through this, K through 12. And then it also, um, even a greater issue, the babies were probably by themselves because their parents had to work. Lord, look and have mercy. Listen, my prayer wheels will start turning and this will turn into the let out, shut out, shut in edition. And there's no time. My God. Like we just, there are so many conversations that need to be had. And I just, yeah. The fact that people want this pandemic, like we feel like we could just pause it, like we play an Xbox or play no. show. Like that's not how any of this works. <laughs> At all. What are y'all doing? So not only are the school systems not innovating to serve, to better serve um, their participants, it can even be a conversation of why these churches are fighting to get back into a building and why it took so much for you to innovate to even bridge the virtual divide in the first place. Or even I think to a greater extent, what's happening with taxpayers' monies? We've been paying taxes, fam, for a while now. Why aren't these infrastructures in place just off GP? Because I'm with uh, Luis. Some of this stuff needs to be looked at as an actual utility. Like, can you imagine? Yes, it's it's not it's 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 not being paid out of taxpayers' money because they're too busy taking those monies well, and paying the salaries of people well, who killed Breonna Taylor and ooh, the like. Well, that that whole part. But I what to finish the statement that I was going to make. I sure I can't imagine doing life without my phone and without my laptop. It's how I do my job. It's how I bring in income, not just from my actual job, but also residual income. The shirts that I sell, the classes that I teach, um, the trainings that I facilitate, all of this stuff is virtual. And can you imagine not having access to internet, not having access to doable technology? I can't imagine. Some of these babies gonna be left behind because some of y'all at home call it um never mind. Let me let me stay off the pen. I was some of y'all I are was, literally uh-uh. I was at a uh I was at a service. <laughs> I was at a service over the weekend and the pastor was talking about COVID kids. And when I tell you the holler that came up out of me, because that thing tickled me so she was like, Yeah, man, like COVID kids are gonna, that's gonna be a thing. Literally, you will be able to run up on kids and they'll be like, two plus two was 99. She was like, you was a COVID kid. You pranked <laughs> When I tell you that thing sent me, spell cat, D-O-G. Yeah, you a COVID. You a COVID, baby. COVID. Spell pulpit, P-O-O-L-P-I-T, way. What? what just what just happened? Make it make sense. What? Man, there are so many. You know these kids don't write in cursive no more? 
they don't they don't actively teach children how to write in cursive and actually are encouraging parents at home to not to teach their kids. What is the point of cursive though? It's the art of writing. It's the beauty of literature. I felt grown when I learned how to sign my name. Huh? I imagine the Lord writes my name in an aggressive B in the Lamb's Book of Life. Head up the Hoko side. Thank you. I don't, I, you know, that, that's the problem with some of these saints. Their names are not written in cursive in the Lamb's Book of Life. Mine is in cursive, written in pen. Not this itching sketch writing that can be shook off. Well, yours can be in cursive and in pen. As long as mine is in blood. Huh? Oh, okay. I You know I'm Baptist. Giving. I turn, I turn body still. Don't do this. I'm giving this rice cake hell. You are. And you talked about me last week. I was. Jesus Christ. The way that crunch just shifted across. Can you imagine people driving down the street listening to us and they hear that crunch and they looking in the backseat like somebody back there. Focus. Ain't nobody in your car with you. Sade is munching on the rice cake. <laughs> At least I wasn't about to die like you were eating them sunflower seeds. No, I was, like, I was drinking water. I was playing with that water, drinking water. I was trying like, to do Are you about to have a stroke? You better you better not die on me. <laughs> I was literally about to go into the light on a swallow water. What's next, clown? Sick of it. <sighs> Wakanda forever. Oh Lord. My God. Wait, that really that really hit me for real. Wait. It did. I wanted to give you a minute. He gone, fam. That really made me feel away just then. He gone, fam. Chadwick Boseman, known for his role as King T'Challa in Marvel's Black Panther, has died after a four-year battle with cancer, according to a post on his Twitter account. Lord. The post said that the actor who also played Black icons such as James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, and Jackie Robinson died at home with his wife and family. Bozeman was diagnosed with stage three colon cancer in 2016 and it progressed to stage four. The post said he was 43 years old, according to the Associated Press. The post is quoted as saying that he was a true fighter. Chadwick persevered through it all and brought you many of the films that you have come to love so much from Marshall to the Five Bloods Mm. August Wilson's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and several more all were filmed during and between countless surgeries and chemotherapy the post added that it was the honor of his career to play King T'Challa in Black Panther Mm. in August of 2019 Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige and the Black Panther director Ryan Coogler announced that Black Panther 2 would be released in May of 2022. Bozeman had not publicly disclosed his battle with cancer, according to the Associated Press. On last Saturday, the governor of South Carolina, where Bozeman was born, said he ordered the state house flags to be lowered to have staff on Sunday to honor the life contributions 
feelings and memory of a truly extraordinary son of South Carolina. Mm. Bozeman graduated from the Howard University and starred in various television shows in the early 2000s before getting the star role as Jackie Robinson, the first black person to play in the major league baseball. Um, in 2013, the film was 42, I believe. Right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. 42. From there, he went on to star as James Brown in the 2014 film Get On Up. And I remember that because mm-hmm. James Brown said, don't make me come out of myself. And we literally say that on it. <laughs> Just pray. James was about that life. I got time. He really was. Um, Andre. You know, the old heads. Never mind. <laughs> the old heads, what? The old heads back home, they used to tell me that um, James Brown was a freak. James Brown looked like a gremlin. He had to have something working for him. Wait, hell. Okay. I mean, that's the problem with y'all. Y'all don't like to tell the truth. And it shows. Jesus. I mean, listen. Wait, my grandmama, my grandmama used to say, you know, if you ugly, at least be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Pick a struggle. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> hey. I mean, get it on the good foot. Be sweet. My God. Ooh. (laughs) You're awful. And I don't like you. (laughs) (sighs) Thank you. Major League Baseball tweeted (laughs) his transcendent performance. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh-wee. Why are you this way, man? Okay, James. Major League Baseball tweeted that his transcendent performance in 42 will stand the test of time and serve as a powerful vehicle to tell Jackie's story to audiences for generations to come. Fans and colleagues shared messages of grief online filmmaker Ava DuVernay posted a photo of the Wakanda ancestral plane from Black Panther telling Bozeman, may you have a beautiful return, King. We will miss you so. Marvel Studios tweeted a photo of Bozeman dressed in the costume of his iconic role, writing, our hearts are broken, your legacy will live on forever. The company also tweeted out a series of photos of Bozeman from Marvel sets and with his fellow cast members. One of the tributes that I saw was from um, Michael B. Jordan, and yeah. it literally moved. Yeah. Like, it was so moving. Yeah. Yeah. So prayers to all of his family and his friends um i believe from what i read he was newly married really yeah i've been wondering did he have children i hadn't heard any talk about kids or anything it had just been um his wife um looking at um the photos that michael b jordan had been um sharing um and they are 
photo yeah. of them embracing one another and it just they really, love each other yeah it really made me want um to say like fam can we normalize not just black men loving on one another but can we normalize loving on people being affectionate yeah. with people yeah. and it made me think about the fact that culture has perverted the sanctity of love yep and literally if you think about how christ loved people the affection of even um holy spirit that Mm -hmm. like holy spirit lavishly adorns us with affections Mm -hmm. every day of our life every day and if we were to exemplify that consistently literally the culture that we live in will say yeah it's something to that like uh uh-uh what what is that about what do you want there and you live in my life like this clearly you want something that part there are even Mm -hmm. people who um slide up in my dms um and talk fugazi um even with how we honor one another really Um, yes and it's to the point like it's something to that no fam that's my brother and i honor him and i don't have a problem with saying like i love this dude and i'm going to push and i'm going to i'm going to honor who he is which is it was it was a very pronounced point that i wanted to do that for channing Mm -hmm. when you propose to her because it's like fam this is not a one-trick pony and there's no way that I can authentically call myself mm-hmm. your sister beloved mm-hmm. and not transfer that same energy to the person that you are coming into oneness with. We're gonna talk about this in the uh in the uh unpopular opinion. Cause you bubbled up. I saw it. Okay. I did. What's, what's next? You knew not to tell me that. I, I um did. okay. Next story. Now what was said? Yes, you heard me right. Now, what was said? You're genuinely pissed. Your tone changed. I am. Yeah. Um, uh, an Arkansas chef resigned Friday after coming under fire over a leaked racist recording. Sheriff Todd Wright of Arkansas County, about 85 miles southeast of Little Rock, resigned effective immediately on Friday during a public meeting on the incident that occurred at the county's Quanrum Court which is its governing legislative body. The meeting, which was recorded live and posted on Facebook. Y'all go, wait, see? Wait, okay. Right. Y'all gonna get enough of this. My you gonna get enough this uh, Facebook. Why <laughs> <laughs> old people do that? This Facebook. Don't put, don't put my face on uh space paints. Uh, space space what? <laughs> what? Space space what? Are you okay? Okay, all right. So the meeting, which was recorded live and posted on Facebook, was held after a local news outlet, the Pine Bluff Commercial, um, identified Wright as the man heard in the five-minute audio recording delivering a racist rant. According to the local outlet, Wright is heard on the recording, which had been widely shared on social media, becoming upset that a woman he was with spoke to a black person in a store. Throughout the recording, the woman refers to the man as Todd. 
the man in the recording uses a racial slur against black people about nine times. Arkansas County Sheriff Todd Wright um, apologized at a court meeting for any offense. Look at this. I apologize if I offended anybody. You offended oh, people. Are no. you okay? And you meant what you said. You meant what you said. You're just, you're just mad you got caught. And it was brought to the light. Keep that so, same energy. He, apo- <laughs> he apologized at the court meeting for any offense his recorded remarks may have caused and said that he made those comments in the heat of a moment when he was upset over certain things. He also insisted he was not a racist. That's not me, he said. Following his remarks, a woman who identified herself as the mother of the man, Wright, dispersed in the recording, says she doesn't know why Wright felt the need to call her son, whom she described as a hard-working man with two jobs, names like that over and over. I don't appreciate you calling him or anybody else the N-word, she said. If you got problems, don't bring them to work. County Judge Thomas Betts said the court's members decided Thursday to ask for Wright's resignation after the recording began circulating on Facebook the day before. It saddens me um, that anyone would disrespect God's creation in this manner, Betts said at the meeting. No way will I condone this action from anyone. After accepting Wright's resignation, the court also passed the motion to allow him to continue to be paid as a con- as contract labor until September 30th, but he will not be an active law enforcement officer. The county sheriff's department will serve as sheriff until a replacement is appropriated or a special election is held, Beth said. Attempts to reach Wright by phone or through social media on Saturday were not immediately successful. So there are a number of things that are in this that is absolutely problematic. Number one, anything that is spoken during times of anger or madness is actually truth. Whatever I say in the moment of me being mad, in the moment of me being pissed, that was already stewing and brewing in my heart. My anger caused my filter to be lowered. And the gates just bust open. So that's and, and and not only that, things that people say in jest uh-huh. have truth have to truth. them. Yes, and you need to pay attention mm-hmm. to what people say to you wrapped in a joke. They mm-hmm. really mean that. They really mean that. They really mean that, and they couldn't say it to you, so they had to wrap it up in laughter in order for it to be palatable. Um, another thing, um. It's interesting that he was not fired. They gave him the opportunity to resign. So when I resign from a job, I can go to another and assume the same role, or I can go into another county and assume the same role because I wasn't fired. It's not on my employee file. It's not tagged to my licensure. It's not tagged to anything. It's literally listed as I resigned. That's number one. So he can go to another state, get hired, get voted in, and be the same racist sheriff that he was in Arkansas County, somewhere else. The second thing, they put a motion in place. Like they literally voted collectively to keep him on as a contract worker, but he's not an active police officer. So basically he has paid vacation. You resign from a job, you're not active, but you still gonna get this paper 
until September 30th. So the individuals that you call nigga, it's their monies that's putting food on the table for you and your family. And the fact that the people within this community permitted this to happen is absolutely problematic, but it's also telltale of how many of us are oftentimes um, doing life from the places of our ignorance or things slide under the radar because of our ignorance. And this could be overturned if the people in the county were to come together. All you need is a petition. That's it. But we just gonna accept it as is and let this man continue to get paid and go to another county, go to another place and wreak havoc as a racist police officer. Got it. Anyway. The beloved Maya Angelou said, when people show you who they are, believe them. You just trying to hold that in. <laughs> what? That's what she said. <laughs> Maya did not go into the ancestral plane for this. She did not. <laughs> what in the world? You know what? Oh, that just weaked me. That's what she said. Believe Necromancy, come out. Believe them. <laughs> you remember that poll she did in that Tyler Perry movie? In and out. In the f- and the out. fact that you knew exactly <laughs> what I was talking about. You can't put this stuff on me because you knew exactly what I was talking about. In and out. Out and in. Like, are you okay? We breathe. Hell. Are you okay? My. What? <laughs> what is next, man? So, next we have, y'all, guess what? I'm tired. Listen, so in an interview with the, with the Financial Times, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the um, FDA Commissioner, Dr. Stephen Hahn, said the agency would consider emergency use authorization or approval for a COVID-19 vaccination before phase three trials are complete. You heard us right. Wait, 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 wait. Because I literally just saw an alert from CNN that says that Russia is giving Vladimir Putin hell. Yeah. Because he's trying to push a vaccine over there. Yeah. Skip me. It's something with these world leaders banding together. You can't tell me Putin ain't got Trump in his back pocket, but that's neither here nor there. Um, it is up to the sponsor, the vaccine, the vaccine developer, to apply for authorization or approval, and we can make an, adju- an adjudication of their application, Hunt told the Financial Times. If they do that before the end of phase three, we may find that appropriate. We may find that inappropriate. We will make a determination. Han noted that an EUA is not the same as FDA approval. Our emergency use authorization is not the same as full approval, he said. The legal, medical, and scientific standard for that 
is that the benefit outweighs the risk in a public health emergency. So essentially what he's saying is that in order for authorization to be approved, the creator of this vaccine has to actually say um, the risk of them going ahead and not going through the full application process to approve it legally, medically, and scientifically far outweighs and they need to move quickly on it now. So they don't have to necessarily complete research. They just got to move on it now before it gets too bad. All right. Han said the vaccine decision will be based on data and not politics. We have a convergence of the COVID-19 pandemic with the political season. And we're just going to have to get through that and stick to our core principles, he told the Financial Times. This is going to be a science, medicine, and data decision. This is not going to be a political decision. CNN has reached out to the FDA for comment. This isn't the first time U.S. officials have discussed authorization for a COVID-19 vaccination before large-scale trials are completed. During a July 30th meeting inside Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office, Treasury Secretary Stephen Munchen and White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows raised the possibility of an emergency use authorization for a vaccine before phase three trials were completed. The Financial Times first reported the details at the meeting. So I know a number of you all are probably listening to me go through the story and posing the question, why did we select this article from the Financial Times? Well, here's the thing. The economy of our world is directly affected by whatever takes place within the FDA, whatever takes place within the CDC. So if we are on the convergence of this pandemic exploding in our country, and in my heart of hearts, I believe it to be true, the economy is going to be drastically affected. For those of you all that have money on the side, now will be the time to start investing, especially in uh, key ingredients that will be a part of said vaccine mass production. So if they are using hydrochlorophyll, whatever, find a company that's the leading agency in producing hydrochlorophyll and invest, 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 invest. Now is the time to for real, for real make money. But going back to this. Not um, only investing in those materials, but investing in technology. Because absolutely. last week, Apple and Tesla. And Tesla went down. Major yes, dive. Yep. So get in on that. Yes, ma'am. Um, so another thing, too, um, with them actually approving this vaccine, that means that the scientists are already predicting and have projected that these numbers are going to explode. And the way y'all people have been out here in these streets and we are now crossing over into Labor Day holiday weekend, the way the city of Atlanta has been packed out with people and the way folks are walking through these stores with no mask on and looking at me like I got two heads because I choose to wear masks. Um, I literally said to you over the weekend that I was in Charlotte yep. doing engagement and was like, what? I, I, are y'all okay? Literally, the there are like people. You're not in a pandemic. There are people who were out there packed on top of one another mm-hmm. without wearing masks. Literally, I said it on Instagram and I'm going to say it again. Going outside these days has now become the equivalent of having unprotected sex. Are y'all making it make sense? 
Y'all ain't gonna please make it make sense. Y'all ain't gonna cover nothing up. Y'all ain't gonna protect. Mm-mm. What are you doing? Where's your mm-hmm. mask? You gonna get this whopping hawk? All right. Too far. It's your podcast. No, you could you go you gonna get this whopping this hawk. You gonna get it all. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, you're going to end up with something you can't get rid of because even end up doing the research with this COVID, they're even saying that people that are carrying the antibodies are still prone to manifesting symptoms of COVID. So they're still trying to understand even the post effects COVID is going to have on the body. And literally, there are still people that we know who have recovered We're from dealing. COVID yeah. that are dealing heavily. Yeah. Got a, a 1957 smoker's cough. Like they uh, smoke palm oil with no filter. With no filter. You know what? You my brother. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I remember so, the first time. Never mind. Tell me that offline. Praise God. I'll tell you that offline. Hallelujah. Uh, so basically, this the FDA is trying to have people out here like Stranger Things season twelve. It, it essentially, if they get the approval for this EUA, this emergency authorized use, fam. And from the, what I understand, the government is also giving states the right to actually press charges against people if you decide to opt out of. Getting the vaccine, you could be faced with jail time if they Take actually me push. to jail. Throw away the key. Listen, because who not finna be out here in these streets like Michael Jackson in Thriller is me. I, I don't have dun 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 dun. Listen, I will pop you with something. <laughs> you hear me? Y'all are not okay. So I'm trying to figure out how would they even be able to manage who has it, who's gotten the vaccine, and who hasn't gotten the vaccine. I think they gonna start putting chips in people. I do too. And I think that this would be one of the ways to do it. Because that's the only, that's the only way to in mass quantities and mass numbers to be able to monitor people and have that amount of intel. I used to think my daddy lost his like his marbles all of them because he would be like you gonna learn how to hold this ground mm-hmm. and till this ground you gonna plant mm-hmm. you gonna learn how to manage this garden and I thought it was cool because I was just had I had a moment to hang out with my dad because he was no he just was that actually dude. giving you a life seriously he, he was on the side because man listen and for all of y'all out here talking about you don't like to drink water and you don't like to eat lettuce okay keep on you the one that's gonna be having um chicken and frogs growing out the side of your neck because you get caught up with this vaccine ribbit too far Kermit who (laughs) oh okay (sighs) what's next the march on washington 2.0 Hated it. <laughs> okay. 
57 years after Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech at the March on Washington, the families of Black Americans shot or killed by police officers spoke at the same site on last Friday, the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. The families of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Eric Gardner, and Jacob Blake joined Reverend Al Sharpton and Martin Luther King III at the commitment march, Get Your Knee Off Our Neck, which drew an estimated thousands. The march, organized by the National Action Network, was calling for racial justice and police reform. Reverend Sharpton first announced plans for the march during a memorial service for George Floyd, the 46-year-old father who died at the hands of police in Minneapolis in May. He's quoted as saying George Floyd's story has been the story of Black folks because ever since 401 years ago, the reason we could never be who we wanted or dreamed to be is you kept your knee on our neck. He goes on to say that it's time for us to stand up in George's name and say, get your knee off our necks. George Floyd's brother told the crowd Friday he was overwhelmed by the support and said that he wished George were here to see this right now. His sister, Bridget Floyd, said, we have to be the change. The mothers of Dontre Hamilton, Trayvon Martin, and Ahmaud Arbery also spoke. Um, Trayvon Martin's mother, Sabrina Fulton, who's actually uh, a congressional leader now. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to her. She's quoted Mm -hmm. as saying, even though we're going through a crisis, uh, even though it looks dark, I want to tell you to be encouraged. She goes on to say, don't stop saying Black Lives Matter. Don't stop protesting. In the months since Floyd's death, Black Lives Matter marches have proliferated across the country. Protesters continue to call for justice for the officers charged in Floyd's death and those involved in other controversial cases, including the death of Breonna Taylor, who was absolutely shot and killed by officers in her own home 178 days ago in Louisville, Kentucky, as well as Elijah McClain, who died after a police chokehold in Aurora, Aurora, Colorado last summer. Protests erupted again this week following the shooting of Jacob Blake in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old unarmed black man, was hospitalized after police shot him several times in the back as he opened the door of his parked car that held his three sons. Attorneys for his family says that he's now paralyzed and he was apparently chained and like handcuffed to his hospital bed. Like, where's he going? He literally had a mandatory court date last week um, where they stringed him in virtually, still handcuffed to his bed. No ma'am. So compact trauma on top of trauma on top of trauma. Um, but I, I wanted to go back to this. I um, 
I ended up watching the march as much of it that I could stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, what what I found to be cringeworthy was that the the speeches that were given were all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I kept trying to figure out: is this a march about gay rights? Is this a march about getting to the polls in November? Mm-hmm. Um, is this a march about the injustices that have taken place? Um, at the hands of police officers killing black and brown individuals? Um, Is this a march about um, rising proliferated black voices that, you know, are coming to the scene and they're looking to run a race? Like what, what exactly is this? So one of the critiques that I have of it is that the agenda, just sitting in the comforts of my own home, the agenda of this march on Washington was not clear for this generation. It felt very disorganized. Um, And I think that that's one of the greatest tragedies um, that plague our people is the inability to, for real, for real, organize. The second thing is, um, I feel as if that it proved what I said at the opening of the show, that Black grief can be monetized. Black grief brings about publicity. Black grief brings about a level of notoriety. Um, And we have individuals who are grief vultures that literally circle from moments to arise to the occasion to have their names earmarked on a movement. Um, And I'm not necessarily saying that that's who Al Sharpton is, but I am saying that's who Al Sharpton is. Um, There's just so much about this that is cringeworthy. Um, And it's almost as if, again, that we are attempting to use old tools, old technologies, and old works in a new season. And it falls flat. Thirdly, I cringed watching the March on Washington because there was no social distancing. We are in the middle of a pandemic. So it even makes me think on a whole nother level, is this another form of um, oppression? Because- Population control. Population control, that too. Because studies show that it is black and brown communities that are more plagued with the COVID virus than any other community. And these communities are also susceptible to die as a result of being exposed to these virus, to this virus. And yeah, y'all was out here on March Washington. Speaking of monetizing black grief, is this your king? Social justice, social justice activist, Sean King, was again accused on Twitter of using the death of movie star Chadwick Boseman to promote his book, sparking major online backlash. The Twitter account, which is very ironic, at Very White Guy, posted screenshots on Twitter of an email from King asking his fan base to buy his book, Make Change. I got that email. He, I did too. He's quoted as saying, Sean King is using Chadwick's death to sell books. He claims that he doesn't make any money. I'm so tired of Sean King profiting off of black death. Oof. Another activist, the irony of a white man. 
saying this to supposedly another one, but I digress. Another activist called King's email grotesque uh, tweeted by Imani Gandhi. She says, what's wrong with him? What's wrong with you that keeps supporting him? I honestly didn't think he had the capacity to shock me anymore, but this one actually shocked me. The actor who starred in the Black, uh, the blockbuster superhero Marvel movie Black Panther shockingly died, as we reported earlier, and King went on to say in the email, I hope you are hanging in there. Yesterday, I sent an email checking in on you. And just a few hours later, we learned of the death of Chadwick Boseman. Life is so very fragile. Tomorrow is not promised. And then he went on Mm -hmm. to make his pitch for his book. His book. Mm -hmm. He goes on record as saying, for all six years, everywhere I go, people ask me, Sean, how do you actually use... How do I actually use my life, my skills, my time, my energy to impact and change the world? He goes on to say in the email, my book, Make Change, is a 272-page answer to that question. King was um, unapologetic with his rebuttal of the accusation. Um, He went on to say on his Twitter account, Um, And I quote, I literally don't make a penny off of the sales of my book. Nothing. I got paid a year ago to write it. Um, Mm. He is quoted as saying, I had a mass email pre-scheduled to go out this morning about my book. I updated the email to also mention the death of Chadwick and I don't regret it at all. There's that. He mm. has faced many accusations during his controversial and tumultuous career, including questions about his fundraising methods as well as plagiarism. And as of right now, he is the central focus of Black Twitter going ham again about his ethnicity. Um, there are what, photos on Black Twitter. There are photos that have surfaced of his entire family being white people. Oh, so he's been attempting to his, pass as a. I thought the man's father was black. That that was a white man. The the, the picture I saw found. Sean. Oh. Did you pull it up? His brother look like his name his brother looked like his name is Ben shut up his mama you know she looked like she could be a Karen like his family is 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 white fam oh now I've known now I've seen two blackity black people make a child that could actually be as light as the sky like I've seen that but I've never personally seen two clear people make a black baby, make a chocolate swirl. I've never, I've never seen it. So I have been unapologetic with my views and how I feel with uh, one Sean King. I 
God forbid. They have literally gone through and researched this man's whole life. Literally. Um, y'all, y'all gotta stop. Oh, God. So, all I gotta say is, God forbid if something ever happened to me, don't call him, man. Do but not you like you got a little flavor in him, though. Don't, don't have Sean King talking to Mother Martin, please. Because I will come back and I will haunt you and Sean. I will haunt you and Channing. I will. You try to be a familiar spirit. Got it. You know. We rebuke thee. I just. I'm not here for Talcum X. Third good partial. Wait. W.E.B. DeBlanc. Wait, wait, wait. No. Medgar Nevers. Snow J. Simpson. <laughs> Martin Luther Cream. Cream Abdul Jabbar. Iggy Apalia. Uh, 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 uh. Blankston Hughes. Chalka Khan. Chalka Khan. Alex Paley. Alexander oh. Scamilton. Hewless P. Newton. David Allen Clear. Rachel. Shut up. Shut, no, no, no. Rachel no, Dolezal. No. No, it's speaking of Rachel Dolezal. Light Dolezal 2.0. A white Jewish woman has been masquerading as an Afro-Latino. Wait a minute. You ain't gonna cut me off. I said what I said. Thieving Ivory Wayans. <laughs> Activists working at a college university and reveal her truth in an article she wrote on Medium titled The Truth and the Anti-Black Violence of My Life. The woman, Jessica A. Krug, um, had written the following passage this week. I really sense I'm about to cuss. You just got tired in the middle of that whole thing. This really depleted me. To an escalating, escalating degree over my adult life, I, I have excused my lived experience as a white Jewish child in suburban Kansas City under various assumed identities within a blackness that I had no right to claim. First, North African blackness, then U.S. rooted blackness, then Caribbean rooted Bronx blackness. I have not only claimed these identities as my own when I had absolutely no right to do so, when doing so is the very epitome of violence, of thievery, and appropriation of the myriad ways in which non-Black people continue to use and abuse Black identities and cultures. But I have formed intimate relationships with loving, compassionate people who have trusted and cared for me when I deserve neither trust nor care. People have fought together with me and have fought for me and my continued appropriation. Ooh. And my continued appropriation of Black Caribbean identity is not only, in the starkest terms, wrong, unethical, immoral, anti-Black, and colonial, but it means that every step I've taken has gaslighted those whom I love. I am not a culture vulture. I am a leech. Ugh! Jessica Krug is an associate professor at George Washington University but she has admitted to being a white Jewish woman from Kansas City. 
So everybody want to be black when it's convenient and when it's cool and when it's the cultural thing. Come on. But when somebody start beating your ass because of the color of your skin and because of you having an identity that you were born with, now you want to backpedal, skip out, and get out. You don't have the right to do that. My blackness isn't something that I can simply lay down and put on and wash whenever I get ready to like it's a pair of my Hanes drawers. It don't work like that. Thank you for coming to the light and telling the truth about who you are, but all of the things that you have received as a result of you claiming your blackness, you need to give it back. And I said that. Talk your talk, fam. I'm a culture vulture. I'm not a culture vulture. I'm a leech. Now, I do like the fact that she corrected herself because vultures don't eat live, live things. They go after carcasses. They go after dead things. They go after things that are coming to a churning, screeching hole. Blackness will never die. So I'm grateful that she did appropriately identify herself. She is, in fact, a leech. And a leech formed parasitic relationships where they suck nutrients and strength out of their host. So she, in fact, is a leech. This is so problematic. And you you put this on the hinge of talking about Sean King. Y'all, what is it? And I, I dare say that there may be some form of a psychological disorder here because you got to function in multiple personalities. North African blackness is not even close to being she's similar a, she's to U.S. She's a pathological liar. She has to be. There's no other explanation. They need to hire her to work for the um, the FBI or the CIA. She'll never get caught. Actually, she looked like she a white woman with a bad tan and a bad I saw that. Accent. Yeah, I saw that. Hell, I even wonder, is she really a Jew? Who are you? This is so problematic. But it also tells to how black communities are so welcoming of people and sometimes to our own detriment. And that's a hard thing to say, and that's a hard thing to swallow. And we set these conversations into the whole notion of, I'm not black, I'm not white, I'm not any of this stuff, I'm kingdom, I'm kingdom, I'm kingdom. Thank you for being kingdom, but my blackness is important because God created it. And the last time I checked, my God didn't create trash. Cause when you get pulled over by the cop, they not gonna <laughs> say, give me your kingdom card, they gonna beat the hell out of you and call you a nigga. I said that. Oh, moving, ooh, moving on, because I got mad that quick. Mm. That's so stupid. That is so what stupid. That is so- What was she, what was so... she teaching at George Washington University? I wanna know, what was she teaching? African studies, I wanna say. Start at get off my line, bye, I can't. But you do know that the creator of African-American studies was a white man. You, you, you do mm -hmm. realize it, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we, we don't even own the origins of the educational institutions of our culture. Somebody else had to do it. Because... Or somebody it, else got the credit for doing it, because he probably... It's not, it's not, it's not foreign for the oppressor to retell the narrative. You control the narrative that you that you tell. The person that tells it first controls the narrative. 
so if it's they control really, the narrative, they control the history. And exactly. if they control the history, they control the future. Exactly. So is it really is it really coincidence? Well, you made a sex toy out of what? Wait a minute. Okay. I'm about to be okay. Say what now? What what is this called? You made a sex toy out of what? I'm about to be mad. I know it. I know it. A Florida mom has suffered a parent's worst nightmare after learning her daughter's image was stolen and turned into a child sex doll that was being sold legally on Amazon Mm. and other websites. Mm. The mother who wished to be identified only as Terry was left horrified last month when she came across pictures of an advertisement for a child sex doll that resembled her eight-year-old daughter, Kat. Terry said she received a message from a friend on August the 12th alerting her of the doll that had been on sale for $559 on Amazon. First of all, how did you know that the ad was... I I, I, I was going to let you finish reading. I promise you. How did you... Okay. She goes on record as saying... I read the message from my friend and saw the image and I instantly started to cry uncontrollably. She says, I couldn't imagine the same that some sicko would use my daughter's photo to create something so ugly and evil to be used for abuse by pedophiles. Mm. Oh my God. The doll, I feel sick to my stomach. Jesus. The doll which has since been removed from Amazon, was listed on the website as a high-quality, sexy dolly, uh, live dolls for men. Jesus. There was also a number of disturbing customer reviews for the item, including one posted in May saying, good item. Oh, my God. Wow. Terry said that she was in shock that such a product would be sold on the same website the family uses to help with their daughter's community service projects. Cat, mm. mm. who suffers from CVID, common variable immune deficiency, is a child model and pageant contestant, her mom said. She said that she had posted photos of the little girl in a Facebook group where she shares updates mm. on Cat's illness Uh, community projects and modeling work terry believes the sex doll was modeled after a picture of cat she shared in the group that showed her sitting on a couch with her legs crossed with her stuffed animal Mm. the doll in the advertisement not only had a similar outfit and hairstyle as her daughter's but it was also posing in the same way this is disgusting on a number of levels. One, I'm questioning what in the world was the friend on in order to get the pop-up about the doll? What what was you out here on? Because I got an Amazon account and I frequent my Amazon and ain't no sex toy, no dildo, no sex doll. None of that stuff has come up in my, in my feed as suggested items. 
So, I order so much stuff. I order so much stuff from Amazon. If a baby tiger showed up at my door, I'd be like, you know what? I might have ordered that last Thursday. That might be a thing. <laughs> Are y'all so okay? I, I, I can't get with the fact that they were able to purchase a child sex doll off of Amazon that was created in the image and the likeness of this little girl with the child. Because algorithms, algorithms don't lie, fam. So it makes me wonder, was it the friend that leaked the video or the, the, the picture of this baby? Let us be sitting here talking about, we want some, uh, some lemon pepper wings some lemon pepper wings and we go on Instagram and the next thing you know we see ads from American uh, from American Deli that mm, listen some in this milk ain't clean fam that friend is on some food gate how did how how did you find that how make that make sense and then another thing um it makes me wonder who's actually purchasing this doll because I know that for some some covens, um, some demonic entities that actually use sex in their rituals as a form of manifesting things. So for this baby to, for her image and her likeness to have been created into a sex doll and she's ill, it makes me wonder for those that are actually aware of what they're doing, are they using these sex dolls in an attempt to manifest child sickness, child disease in the world during this time. Um, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and I know it seems far-fetched and I know it seems very mystical and um, esoteric, but the truth of the matter is this is a reality and some people do use sex and sexuality in such toxic forms. Broderick, Y'all would have to come, y'all would literally have to come get me. Y'all would have to bail me. I, I would beat the hell out of something. No, are you, are no, you no. kidding me? No, no, I'm the one. For, for me to have a child and to know that somebody made a sex anything of my baby and they're not an adult, and it's, gonna, it's, it's literally going to take armies to keep me away from you. Because if I can't get to you in the natural, trust me, I'm going to find you in the spirit. Oh, I'm going to find you. Y'all think I talk to the ancestors. I'm going to show you. You going to astro project? Sanderson's sister who? <laughs> oh, okay. My babies? I'm sorry. I'll be on your head like Candyman. First of all, I'm 33 and still don't fool up with no Candyman. Well, your brother beloved will be Candyman in this case. My child? Uh, this segues into unpopular opinion. I'll cut the bottom of your feet up and make you walk. Roderick, what? <laughs> and every time you slip in your own blood, I'll take a belt and whoop the brakes off you. <laughs> like Regina King. In that Christmas movie, <laughs> she beat the brakes off of that dude. <laughs> she put baby oil on the floor. <laughs> she whooped him like he forgot to take the chicken out the freezer. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Before she got off work. My God. <laughs> Unpopular opinion. What is that? Because you need to get your spirit up. My God. Unpopular opinion is essentially where your problematic cousins continue to be problematic in a hilarious way. Um, we will bring in a genre of topics um, just to tickle your funny bone. But just know that as we laugh through this, we are about their life. Be aware of what type of hate mail you send because you may or may not get you to lie. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. Your intros are always a blessing. Uh... <laughs> Unpopular opinion. Church people are weirdos, man. Facts. Like on a real level, you got mad at the top of the show when we were talking through honor and how people legit slide through the dancery in my DMs. Like, what is that about? Like, fam, the fact that you don't have friends that love you in this regard in a healthy don't mean, manner. Don't mean that y'all gotta be slip, sucking, slurping, and screwing each other. Basically. The fact that you have not been loved well by platonic relationships is absolutely problematic. So stay up out of people's inboxes talking about folks hunching because you sexually frustrated. Stop projecting that on people. And another thing, since we're here and we're talking about it, um, I find it problematic that church people want to talk about what me and mine are doing in our bedrooms. Don't y'all consummate nothing. Don't you worry about what we're doing over here. You worry about what you got going on in your home. Look at you. You got your bits out. It seems like you're ready. No, you seem like you're ready. Worry about that hair on your top lip and your under chin and you are a woman. Worry about why you walking around talking to people in a falsetto. Man of God, they, that blouse show is cut low. Her titties out and she ain't got on no bra. Mind the business that pay you. While your car is being repossessed and you getting put out of your house, you need to be somewhere eating the word of God in order to manifest the financial miracle that you stand in need of. Or is that the reason why you sing? Not only are your organs dusty, but your life dusty, and the oil that you carry dusty, dusty. They be coming at y'all. And another thing. They be coming at y'all like that? Yes. It is crazy. And another thing, just because we are friends on social media, that don't mean I know you in real life. And that don't mean that I want to know you in real life. Stop it. You hear me? I honor you. Thank you for following us. It is great. It is exceptional. We honor the Lord for you, but you do not know us. I am from the country and I'm from the hood. I'm a different species of crazy. I'm respectful, but I will cut you up. Are you okay? You want me to come up by myself like James Brown? There's two women in my world. Touch them, and it's a problem. That's my mama and that's my wife. Touch them. And I'm coming up out of myself. And there's no tone that's able to stop me. You can employ a Holy Ghost and the angels all you want. I will show up with Jehovah Sebio. And he's undefeated. I'm glad you got that off your chest, fam. I really needed to get that out. 
you know, it felt therapeutic. It felt therapeutic. Now y'all come on back here and y'all listen to us next week on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> My God, that is a real thing, man. There's such a lack of interpersonal skills that church people possess. And I don't, I don't understand it, B. I don't Surely the saints' minds are chewed up. I don't I've had it. several... I've, I've had individuals that were even bold enough to say, why do I feel like I'm losing you as a friend? Just because I I, I propose? Just because I'm moving to another area in my life? You feel like you're losing me as a friend? Well, where did you have me as a friend in your soul and in your spirit? I'm not your spiritual husband. Devil, be damned. We're not going to have this conversation today. Ain't got no script twice. The devil is a liar. We're not going to have this conversation today. because we. And for some of these people, they projected fantasies about the lives that they want to live with you. That and when you're lying, huh? And I'm not living in nobody's alternate reality. And they will come out of their bag on you when you deviate from what they have projected. That is a real thing. Y'all are weird. Some of y'all. Y'all are strange and y'all need to get free for real. I digress. You meant that that came from a real place. It did. People are weird and do better. Thank you for your support, but do better. Here here's a rule of thumb. A rule of thumb for you. And stop trying to prophesy us into folks' lives. I'm sorry, Martin. I keep cutting you off. And I'm not letting you get in that. But I just need to get this out of my spirit. Some of these church people, your mind is chewed up like some Tic Tacs. And for some of y'all, you're not in waiting. The Lord ain't got you in waiting. You're just crazy. The man of God and the woman of God that you've been waiting on, they saw you. They've been in your life a long time ago. But you showed up weird, just like you showing up to us weird. And they said, no, nah, this God, this can't be it. Never mind, never mind. Never mind, God. You the never mind. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Don't you be out here being the never mind. Why? Because you're crazy. And I get it. Some, some of these saints, they are socially awkward. And that's okay. You can be socially awkward. Sometimes I'm socially awkward. However, come. I would. I knew how that's to put very, my socially. That's a very real thing. I knew how to put my social awkwardness oh my on a shelf to ensure that I was attracted, okay, and attracting the right thing. Remember that big girl cornered me at church, talking about you married, you single, what you doing? I want to take you for coffee. Mm-hmm. Gremlin, if you don't get away from me. And I was in the corner laughing. Laughing. And you was pissed off at me for two weeks because I ain't come over there and say nothing. Uh-uh. And I'm sitting up here giving y'all a look. Calm kid. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> this girl bigger than me. She literally lifted me off my feet and took me to a corner. And y'all let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> Weird. What's next? Mirror, mirror. You know, 
we did have an honorable mention about um, Niecy Nash. Um, if you <laughs> haven't been living under a rock, you know that uh, Niecy Nash recently set social media ablaze. Claws actress Niecy Nash. All right. <laughs> Claw's actress Niecy Nash shocked the world after revealing that she'd married singer Jessica Betts in a very private ceremony attended by their closest family and friends. While Nash has yet to do any interviews about her new marriage or how she and her new wife met, she and Betts have been dropping some wedding gems on our timelines. Mm. And you know what, honestly, I think half of the uproar is the fact that people didn't know. And for some reason, the generation and the culture that we live in, people feel entitled to your life. And I think that plays even back into the unpopular opinion about people being weirdos. You're not entitled to every portion and piece of somebody's life. We give you what we're comfortable yeah. with you having. Yep. yep. And even that is a privilege. And even that is a privilege. Um it I celebrate the fact that uh Nisi has found love. Um but it is it now that we found, found love, love, what are we gonna do? With it now that we've Okay. Thank you. So I'm definitely grateful that you know Nisi Nash has found love. Um, but I think that one of the things that raises an eyebrow and causes there to be such an uproar is that Nisi once presented a strong heteronormative persona about her sex and sexuality. I mean, for crying out loud, she was once a first lady to an abusive husband, nevertheless, but she was married to a man. And now here, all of a sudden, she pops back up after presenting a heteronormative narrative for so long, um, with now being a woman who has found loves in the arms of a same gendered individual um for me she was not she was not only uh married to two men but mm-hmm. she was also dating um, one too right the same the same woman who um told women that they should be giving their husbands oral sex for about five hours i believe you remember that mrs say what now she you Fam, that was Niecy Nash that said that. Listen, if you're around here... Never mind. Uh-uh. See, I the mean, Saints don't want to have these conversations. Okay, all right. I mean, I to your point, she did present a certain what? narrative. I think that this brings about a conversation about the fluidity of um, sex and sexuality. And... In what way? Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe you mentioned to me earlier that a blogger by the name of Funky Dineva, yeah, um, he ended up uh, unpacked that. Share, share that with me again. So um, this popular blogger, <clears throat> Funky Dineva, excuse me, did a whole presentation concerning it, and one of the questions that he posed 
he said that he would be very interested in knowing um, Niecy Nash's sexual evolution, the story of her sexual evolution. How did mm-hmm. she end up um, to that juncture or this this place where she is now and he said he would like to know that because he believes that there will be a lot of people who would use this occasion to say that sexuality is a choice so I believe that it's a both and not an either or I believe that sexuality is fluid and if it's whatever um, container you choose to place it in, whether if it's homosexuality, heterosexuality, bisexuality, especially placing it in in vessels healthily, right? Um, I also believe as well that what we are calling choice is actually what you have a proclivity for or what you have an attraction to. And those things can either be developed or they are actually something that you are born with. I prefer to be around people who look like me. Um, And part of it, it's indigenous to who I am. I was born with it. Um, But two, it was environmental because me being around people who look like me, I found love, I found hope, I found strength, I found identity, I found what I would now label as home. And I think that we do an injustice, um, an injustice period when we do not permit people the opportunity to just be in their sexual selves. And I'm gonna go out on a limb and I'm a whole pastor and I believe in the power and the might of Holy Spirit, like I genuinely do. Um, But I come from the school as well of thought that I don't think that God is as pressed and as caught up with who's in our beds as we project or presume God to be. I think that there are so many other things that are on God's mind, that are on God's heart, that are absolutely pressing than who you giving your Audi and your any to. But that's me. So how did you come to that supposition or that school of thought? Mm-hmm. Um, for one, just going to um, seminary and actually studying the word of God from an academic perspective. And after sitting down with rabbis and with people of Jewish culture and men and women that have committed their lives to studying Aramaic, Aramaic, Hebrew, and also Greek, and just talking about the content, the context of the culture of the time in which the biblical text was originally written, and now trying to juxtapose a supposition, those realities to where we are now, it doesn't equate. Um, it doesn't easily translate. So that's one. Um, the second thing is God is love. And if Nisi was experiencing abuse at the hands of men, um, if she was finding herself in forms of entanglements and entrapments and toxicity in the arms of men, who are me to say, you know, I, yeah, I, I just think that God is love, man. And, um, what I was raised to believe, what I was taught to believe, 
it doesn't equate to how God has revealed God's self to me. And um, I'm okay with that. I think it goes back to integrity. Um, when your no, K-N-O-W, and your do, D-O, collide, that's what integrity is. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wholeheartedly, my desire is that people, especially those that ascribe to um, Christian tenets of faith, mm-hmm. I just, I wholeheartedly desire that we get to a place where we can walk in truth. Yep. And whatever your truth is, and I feel like our truth as human beings can be relative. Mm -hmm. Um, And the only, in my opinion, the only absolute truth that is, um, that is present or available is the truth of God. In my Mm -hmm. eyes, the truth of God is the absolute truth. Mm -hmm. My hope that we could get to a place to identify and stand in our truth and submit whatever that truth is to the feet of God. Mm -hmm. Whatever your truth is, stand like own it, sis. Own it, bro. Own it, bro. And, And then submit that truth. Submit that truth to Holy Spirit. Submit that truth mm-hmm. to the truth, to the absolute truth of God. And there are so many people who are living these facades that are living in copious levels of bondage because they just can't tell the truth about who they are. And what that's they, not the will of God. Yeah, man. And it's like, it puts me in the mindset of how many people are living these um, false narratives, how many people are um, living these levels of just bondage and then they attempt to ascribe to or hold on or reach out to some form of whatever deliverance is and it's like fam you're not even being honest so what are you in fact being delivered from? From it, it to me, it actually goes back to um, what you were sharing with me earlier about the interview that Jackie Hill Perry did with um, Kept On Stage. Uh-huh. Um, and the pushback that some of our followers gave um, to what Jackie said. So Jackie was, um, some, some of the people were saying that you don't necessarily have to live under the presumption of having to submit your sexuality and your sex to God consistently, God can deliver you from same gender attraction. And Jackie was saying, no, I've submitted my sex and sexuality to God. And this is the decision that I've made to direct my sexuality. And I presented the ideal that I don't think that it's an either or with with any one of those um, ideologies. I think it's a both and. and I, I nailed it to the fact that when Jesus was performing miracles in the in, in scripture, um, some miracles came straightway, some miracles came immediately, and some miracles happened as the people went. The three time tables or the three um, species of time um, does not necessarily say that there's three species of miracles. 
whether if God did it straightway, whether Jesus did it straightway, immediately, or as they went, it doesn't degrade the miracle. It doesn't put the miracle on a hierarchy. Um, it doesn't say that one miracle is better than the other one. Bam, Jesus came through as a miracle worker, period. So let's take the same ideology and the same concept and let's place it here. Whether or not if you felt as if you needed to get delivered from same gender attraction or from whatever your sexuality was, whether if you feel as if that you need to submit your sexuality to the being of Holy Spirit and permitting Holy Spirit to govern and navigate whatever vessel you placed your sexuality into, or if you come from the ideology of family, it just is what it is, and I'm still anointed, God still loves me, God still uses me, and I'm still heaven bound. I think that in it all, God is in it. It's just a matter of what works best for you. So if you feel as if that you are an individual that needed to be delivered from same gender attraction, or if you feel as if that you are an individual who still has same gender attractions within you, but you choose to live out a heteronormative narrative, but you submit that part of you, the same gender attracted to Holy Spirit and employing Holy Spirit to um, sanctify you, if you will, in that area, fam, that's great. Or if you just one of those, it's like, hey, it is what it is. I may be same gender loving. I may be um, opposite gender loving. I may prescribe to a heteronormative um, narrative, or I may be binary, whatever it is, fam, live your truth. And it goes back to what you said, permitting Holy Spirit or submitting your truth to the truth of God. And however God works that thing out in you, bam, let God work it out in you and be okay with how God works it out within you at the end of the day. And I say all of that too, on the heels of individuals reaching out and saying, Pastor Broderick, I've tried to pray the gay away. I've been praying the gay away for the past 15 years. And I'm to the point to where I feel as if God does not hear my prayer. And I'm also to the point to where I want to kill myself. What 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 do we wow. what do we say? Yeah, yeah, you got a demon, yeah, you got a spirit. No, that's not how any of that works. And in the words of evangelist Helen Baylor, we all wanna be loved. Glory, hallelujah. I hate that so much. Stuff like that makes me weep, man, because I just, I love people and I yep. don't like for people to be mistreated in any kind of way. And like the reality for me, there are some people who just don't feel like they have to submit stuff to Holy Spirit, but I know for Damn. myself, I, I know have for been, myself. I have been in situations where it's like, give me out Jesus Give me out today. Give me out today. And standing in the truth of if it was not for the grace of God and if it's not for the keeping power of Holy Spirit, like fam, I will be running through the six out here, out here. with these dudes. Like fam, that is a real thing. So yeah. to have that truth, and you know that about me. So as in a friendship, this sibling dynamic that we have, having enough courage, stripping levels and layers of shame to stand in the truth like fam, this is a thing for you. 
So submitting that, not only standing in that truth, but submitting that truth to the truth of God that says that I am supposed to live a life of holiness. So then from there, what accountability looks like is to take that healing journey, that pursuit um, of daily holy living, to take that outside of myself and to submit that to another person, to submit that to another set of eyes, because a healing journey that is introspective only is error. It's error, yes. And there are so many people who are Mm -hmm. out here saying, oh, I'm healing, I'm pursuing healing, and you're not submitting that journey. You're not submitting your healing to another person, to another set of eyes. So that means that you are the judge, you are the jury, and you are the counsel. And it doesn't work like that. And the truth of the matter is... I think some of the best healing that I've ever gotten was not me submitting it to people that knew me. That part. Because sometimes in submitting my healing to those that actually know me, they can become biased. Absolutely. And you have to play a fine dance in remaining in community with people, but also being able to say, no, fam, it wasn't them this time. This was actually you. You did this. And I'm not going to sit in this with you and pray you out of it. No, you need to keep your tongues at this time. Get back on the phone and apologize to those people in English. Go get this right. And I'm going to hold you accountable to getting it right. And we preach that commentary. Mm -hmm. We talk and we life coach through all of what you said and the reality is we don't want to be about that life for real mm-hmm. because we say um you're you're hating on me or this is not like it's not a thing and it's like fam no Hardest i think you i think you are probably with an exception of maybe two other people and one of those people being a person that is in an oversight um, mm-hmm. capacity in my life, you're mm-hmm. probably one of the only other people that I hold some form of relational dynamic with mm-hmm. who can sit in a seat that's not biased. And mm-hmm. that's because you esteem what God says about me more than the person of Charday. Absolutely. So even if I am wrong and there are moments when I am wrong as as far as the day is long, because you are committed to the commentary of heaven about me, it doesn't give you the wherewithal to be biased in as much to say, I'm not going to call Charday on her. I'm not going to call her to the carpet on this. You esteem. I don't have that luxury anymore. Exactly. You esteem Mm -hmm. and you regard heaven's commentary about me more than my personhood. Yep. And that's where biases are are born. People, like we have preferential treatment of people. Oh, that's my boy or oh, that's my girl. So I can't say that the hell you preach. Mm -mm. And comfortability is the place where we stop growing. The moment that I become comfortable is the moment I stop growing. And the moment that I stop growing, I'm no longer a living organism. I'm now a carcass. And I open myself up to emotional, spiritual, but also natural vultures. 
And listen, the only human institution that rejects evolution is the cemetery. That part. That's a word. It's the only, it is the only human institution in the earth that rejects evolution. It's the cemetery. It's It's the the grave. And if you are in a place where you are not evolving, if you are in a place where you are not um, consistently standing in your, in truth, not just your truth, which can be relative, but the absolute truth of God, fam, what are you doing? What's the point? We got to do better, man. Truth in your inward parts. And I mean, fam, it's not just what I'm saying. That's in your Bible. Yeah. Psalms 51 and 6 in the English Standard Version, David is saying, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Mm. And if we can't get to a place where we allow the word of God, the truth of God to penetrate those secret places, fam, I don't care what you're talking about on a platform or in a prayer meeting. Keep it. What, who are, who are you when nobody's watching? And that's the part that we don't talk through. And whoever you are, whatever your answer is to that question is who you authentically are. And there's no way that you can have authentic change, authentic transformation, if you can't stomach the reality of who you are, the truth of who you are. And here's a life hack for you. It's the grace of God that gives you the wherewithal to stomach the ugly that you see when you look in the mirror. That's so good, Mark. And we try so to good. we try to start off on these healing journeys and go through these healing processes, and we try to do it independent of the grace of God. There's and it don't no, work like that. It don't work. Your mm-hmm. mind, your mind will literally snap in two if you're out here trying to pursue healing and wholeness independent of the grace of God. Yeah, you need you need strength in your inner man. To go through the ebb and the flows, the highs, the peaks, and the valleys of a healing journey. Because healing is messy and it is a luxury. But too, Martin, you also need the grace of God in order to stand in your truth. Because a lot of people are not standing in their truth because of barricades of fear. Mm-hmm. And fear is the absence of love. Perfect Any love. form of grace, yeah. yes, yes. Yes, any grace reality that is absent of love is a manifestation of the spirit of Antichrist. Antichrist is nothing more than a counterfeit of the real Christ. Yeah. So a lot of people are actually out here attempting to stand in truth absent of the Lord's grace, which is why people can't tell the truth about who they are. There's grace here for that. Yeah. Receive the grace, whether if it's right, wrong, or indifferent. And I, I also believe that's one of the reasons why the let out is such a win because we actually stand in truth, whether people agree with it, don't agree with it, rock with it, laugh with it, cry with it, sit with it. We literally sit in our various forms of truth with grace. And being able to come back in the next episode and be like, you know what, fam? What we said last week was absolutely wrong. 
Let's redact that. And it's okay. Factual. And I think that that's also a win for our siblinghood as well. We give each other paramounts of grace and we create safe space for us to stand in honesty. It may make us, it may take us a minute to get over our egos and to get over ourselves to bring that truth to each other. And that's our humanity. But nevertheless, it's the grace of God that's in this that permits us to be able to not only uh, do community with each other, but sustainable community with each other. And communities that are absence of grace open up doors for John Gray's to exist. Yeah. Just bringing it back full circle. Yeah. Yeah. So. Stand in truth, fam. Stand in truth. Stand in truth. Whatever, whatever your truth is, man. Listen. Stand in it. Stand on that. And once you own it, submit your truth, your relative truth to the absolute truth of God. What does God say about what it is that you have ascribed to as your truth? What What is heaven's commentary about it? Yeah. I, feel, I feel a prayer will there. Mm-hmm. Let's transition out of there because I've been trying to pray this whole show. What is that about? Um, A sign that you need to be recording, but... I'll allow it sustained Uh, (laughs) sustained my god just gonna come to my life oh I just slid that in another Jesus we stumbled up on a homework assignment and we haven't done this in a long while we haven't Mm -hmm. done this since like the end of the season one I believe one yeah so what's the homework we're giving them? Identify at least three truths about yourself. Mm-hmm. And then find heaven's commentary about the truth, the truth. that you have discovered. What does, what does, did, yeah, what does God say about it? And after you discover that truth and you submitted it to heaven then submit it to sober community to judge it and to hold your feet to the fire concerning the truth that heaven reveals to you about you. This has been a great episode, Mara. Has. How can we get in contact with you? Yes, on the social medias, I am under Broderick McBride on the Facebooks um, and on Instagram, I am Broderick.McBride. And you can also slide over to my website, RoderickMcBride.com. I have some new merch that'll be on the way soon. Um, and yeah, be on the lookout. I will probably be launching um, semester two of Intercessors University coming into fall 2020. So I'm excited about that. What about you, Martin? How can we find you? I'm going to register for semester two. I'm going to deny your registration. You know what? I will blow up the whole thing. Forget you. Uh, You can find me on uh, Facebook, Sharday Martin Unlimited. 
um, as well as Instagram and Twitter at Shardemus. That's S-H-A-R-D-E-M-U-S. You can also find me on my website, shardemartin.com. Um, all of the information that you need concerning the vault session yes. two will be yes. on there. Registration is when do you five. start? Yeah, we okay. Are starting in mm-hmm. mid October, so That's right. Exciting. Um, maybe you have maybe about like two or three weeks mm-hmm. after Intercessors University concludes that we will kick up with the vault. So, yeah, fam, we gonna um, slide through the dancery, and I love it. Um, I'm excited about it. Um, get in where you fit in, cause once the uh, vault door closes, it's locked, fam. That's it. So, and another thing for those of you all that are problematic cousins, please find the Let Out Pod on Facebook and also on Instagram as well. Please write a review and also follow, follow, follow. And wherever you are listening to us, be it um, whatever your podcasting streaming situations are. Listen, we are open to reviews. Review us. Comment. Tag your people. Share this because somebody needs to get this work too. We love y'all. Bye, y'all. Bye.